0: A question along those lines I get asked a lot is sort of, how did I land in the hospice and palliative medicine world? Because it's kind of a unique niche subspecialty. And, you know, the the short version is it's due to one patient. Welcome back to the High Impact Physician Podcast. On this week's episode, Sandy is talking with Dr. Michael Laller, who's the CMO at Trellis Sportive Care in North Carolina. Awesome conversation where they talk about situational leadership, why your ego is not your amigo, answering the question, should I be getting my MBA, and talking about how a martini with a patient changed Dr. Lalore's life. Um, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. Let us know what you think with a review. Enjoy listening
1: awesome so welcome michael i'm so excited to have this time to connect with you um, i really appreciate your patience as we work through the platform and um, excited for our conversation today
0: yeah thank you sandy me too uh, excited to join you and your audience
1: excellent so as a way to get started i've got two or three questions i like to ask just as a way for our audience to get to know you as a person So let's just start with kind of a a, a general question. Uh, Tell us a bit about who you are and how you got to where you are today.
0: Yeah, thank you. So, you know, currently I'm a physician executive with about 20 years overall, you know, healthcare and leadership experience. Currently, I am the chief medical officer of an organization called Trellis Supportive Care in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. It's a large hospice and palliative care organization here in NC. Um, Previously, I held leadership roles in academic medical centers, um, large national for-profit organizations, and uh, served as the, the president of a private practice for a while. And I'm excited to join you. I think most importantly... I am fortunate to be married to my loving wife of about 15 years now. God bless her for putting up with my nonsense all the time. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the dad of two beautiful daughters.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Love that part. So diving into that a little bit more, I know as physicians um, and as leaders, we're often invested in our patients, their stories. Um, getting to know their background. Uh, so tell us maybe one of your chapters in your life or one part of your story that's been particularly interesting to you or had a particular impact on you.
0: Yeah. So, you know, one of the uh, a question along those lines I get asked a lot is sort of, how did I land in the hospice and palliative medicine world? Because it's kind of a unique niche subspecialty and you know the 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 short version is it's due to one patient, so when I first got out of residency, I trained in you know hardcore academic medicine, you know large academic medical center for residency, stayed involved in academics right afterwards, chief chin service morning report. you know what a lot of physicians out of training are familiar with academic medicine and the group I joined um you know was contacted by a small Nonprofit hospice organization looking for a medical director, and they were actually looking for one of the more se- senior people in the group. <laughs> and he, well, I'm too busy, but the new guy can go make us some extra money. <laughs> and that was me, so I was kind of voluntold I was going to become a, a hospice medical director. So it was a you know the practice of hospice back then was a lot different, and I was there you know a few hours a week, one afternoon a week, doing mostly administrative stuff and seeing some people in the unit and you know the one that just sticks out as truly a life-altering encounter is there was a woman there who um, I stopped in and said hi you know ma'am how are you doing and I'm doing okay you know there was nothing significant from the medical side and i left with the closing you know well is there anything you know you need that I can do for you And she laughingly said, uh, you know, yeah, good, stiff drink, you know, and we both kind of, kind of laughed there. And, you know, I really thought about it. It just struck me. That's really what she wanted. And, you know, she said it funnily, but there was almost like some longing in her voice and um, she was there alone. People weren't bringing things to her. So next time I came, you know, despite, what anyone in a medical society would tell you is a good idea. <laughs> I brought a bottle of gin, a bottle of vermouth, a fancy cocktail shaker, and two, two you know beautiful martini glasses, and poured two martinis with this patient and sat at her bedside sipping a martini. And it was the most enlightening, I think, patient experience to date there. And, and it truly brought life back into this lady's eyes. And, and in the remaining few weeks that I had uh, the pleasure of taking care of her, it was like she was bragging to everyone in the facility, you know, ha, doc brought me a drink, you know, I drink with the doc, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And, and it just really solidified to me the, the way you can truly take care of the patient in the hospice. Doing that one thing was infinitely more important to her than anything my academic medical training could have brought her, you know, my knowledge of physiology or pharmacology or whatever. This was more being a doctor than any of that was. And it really opened my eyes to what the practice could mean. And, you know, long story short, 20 years later, here I am as the, the chief medical officer of a hospice and palliative care organization.
1: Wow. Wow, that is, that is really powerful. I, I think one of the things that impacts me so personally listening to that is how that power of a moment brought life into her eyes, as you said, though I, it impacted your career. And as a result of that moment, it's, you've no doubt impacted other people and it's impacting me now. So that thought of how we can do one thing and what the ripple effect might be, um, that is just really, really powerful, very intimate. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got me wondering about, like, if we were more free to be ourselves and to really follow that calling, how many more times we might create moments like that with each other. So what a great testimony to being true to ourselves and being true to service.
0: Yeah, and that's Love a it. good insight. You know, I mean, I, I think upon this woman often, as you said, it truly altered my path, but I don't know that I ever considered it when you were speaking there, what it what it sounded to me, it brought to mind almost that concept of the butterfly effect. How mm. you know the story is a butterfly flaps his wings and then on the other side of the world there's a tsunami or something like that mm-hmm. because of the chain of events. But that's a good analogy of what that encounter was to me, you know, and, and the things that have been different to everyone since.
1: Yes. Well, and I know in a bit, we're going to dive into leadership philosophy and style. It's something you're really passionate about, though here in this moment, it really is exciting to think about in this time of so much complexity and chaos and noise in the healthcare industry. It's kind of exciting to imagine if each of us had a practice or way to keep ourselves centered and true to ourselves how we might be more more able to be open to other people and more present to other people and create these moments. I remember that story for a long time. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. All righty. So let's go ahead and build off of that. And um, one of the things you're really passionate about is physician leadership, leadership. You've done a lot of work. You've done um, just a lot of um, skill building around that. Uh, So let's jump in and talk to us a little bit about your leadership philosophy.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um, Like you said, I really sort of love the overall um, transition into physician leadership and really have become passionate about it and what it means, and not just from an individual career sense, more from a big picture industry sense and the importance of it and how much learning opportunity there is. So, you know, my leadership philosophy, I base it around my core values, um, equity, sort of continuous learning, and then humor. Um, I I like to take the lighter side to an approach of a lot of things. You know, the overarching goals I hope to achieve with this is, you know, what I wrap up and I call, I like to help healthcare organizations thrive. And, you know, if you want to go into it later, I can discuss sort of what that means strategically to me and Tactics around it, and then you know the style I use to achieve this goal, I sort of consider very situational, Um, and it it, it a little bit aligns with what's sometimes given the moniker of transformational leadership. But I but I like to adjust my approach, um, regardless on you know sort of tailored to the individual situation that's in front of me, you know recognizing the difference in times that you know is this a situation that requires mentorship, giving trust to others versus those times where a little bit more direction is required. But whatever situational approach I take is really with the goal of the organization improving. and that's kind of that, that transformational overlap.
1: Well, and I'm inspired by, as you describe that situationally adjusting to what's happening, it so ties into your opening story about reaching out to ask a patient, what does she need? And then situationally responding to that, maybe in a way it's outside of the box. So it really served her and ultimately the organization by delivering a great patient experience.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. a great example.
1: Yeah, that's good. So you've been around a lot of physician leaders, physician leadership, things of that sort. As you think about your journey Um, Talk to us a little bit about maybe some of your favorite leadership advice that you've received from others.
0: Yeah, that's a a good question. You know, there's, um, I kind of look at it so much. I mean, I have, I've had the, you know, great experience of being able to work with mentors through my career. And it really benefits them from, from some fantastic mentorship. Um, coaches that I've sought out for for additional advice, and you know, while I can't identify like one catchphrasy thing that kind of came up, I think an overarching theme that really um, comes through in all of the advice I got was that you know, leadership is not about you. You know, it's really about others so much more and there was a lot of that you know the people that are are good in talking to me about this can clarify that and really demonstrate it in their actions and I look upon again that those great mentors I've had and leaders that I've looked up to you know that I've gotten to work alongside they really demonstrate that too.
1: That's so good. That notion that leadership is not about you. It's, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because one of the observations I've had when physicians first step into leadership is the people who understand early on that it's about organization over self um, really get the, really get the core of what leadership is about versus going into a role to kind of bully around and try to, you know, take, you know, um, just have that kind of uh, adversarial feeling. So that notion—it's yeah. not about you. It's organization over self. This—that's really the space where we can have influence and contribute to solutions.
0: Yeah, and I think you know what you relay there is a great example of some of the the more negative stereotypes of physician leaders. You know, so often is the case that that physicians get moved into positions of leadership, and that isn't necessarily needs to be confused with actually being a leader, but they get promoted into what's considered a position of leadership. And, you know, that history that they have of being so much of a subject matter expert on something that the reason why they're now the chief of cardiology is because they were kind of the best or most productive cardiologist as an individual, you know, that, that overall approach does not translate into the C-suite or higher levels of, of leadership. And I think a lot of, you know, first-time physician leaders get tripped up on it of like, hey, what's going on here? I'm, I'm, the, I'm the physician leader. Well, it's, you know, A, this isn't about cardiology or whatever your field is. I'm not trying to pick on cardiology. This isn't about your, your expertise as a physician. This is really about something different and as you said the overall organizational performance and some of the tough choices that go along with that 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 i think is a big thing and i wrap it up you know the, the catchphrase i use to kind of describe that and was you know i think applicable to almost everyone and you know me in addition you know ego is not your amigo <laughs> like, oh. it, is, it, you know, it just is not I your friend that. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and um it 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 Can trip you up and then learning the wow this really is about others it's not about me you know is is at one point in time can be eye-opening and really transformative to the individual
1: yes that's so good yeah i notice also when physicians are early in their career and moving into leadership or even mid-career but just starting into leadership there's that whole notion that this is no longer about technical science or the technical part of medicine. Moving into leadership, there is almost a technical side of leadership, like operations, finance, IT, but then there's this other component of leadership, that whole people side, that really is about self-awareness, self-management, how to connect with others, that whole other side, and I really love the way you framed it. It's not about you. It really is about serving others, yeah. mobilizing others, understanding others. That's good.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And, and that's true. And I think that is, like I said, tying it to the subject matter expert, you know, kind of trap, if you'd refer to it, um, That that's exactly right. You know, there's some reliance on the technical aspect as opposed to the communication skills, the human interactive thing, things that can't be, you know, necessarily studied. Um, and really need to be worked on
1: right yeah there's a lot of personal development that is really embedded in professional development right yeah (laughs) that's good so so somebody building on that talk to us a little bit about maybe any habits or patterns that you're observing in physicians um, either as they start their leadership journey or as they progress in their leadership journey are some habits or, or patterns that you're seeing amongst physicians
0: yeah you know so i can say you know i get a, a decent amount of questions of people looking to transition into leadership and mm-hmm. i i think that you know I, I do some work with some organizations that i'm happy to help that have a lot of um work in developing physician leaders and helping physician leaders. And, um, I get a lot of questions. One in particular, I I sort of receive a lot, you know, I, as a second background of people, I have an MBA also, and I get a lot of people ask me, oh, should I get my MBA because I want to be a leader, you know, or I want to, you know, it sort of has this hidden implication of, you know, I want to get out of clinical practice if Mm. I will, you know, and there's this, this sort of Um, that statement as a whole kind of implies that leadership is easier than clinical medicine. And, you know, my, my response to that is like, well, you know, if you really like business and you're excited by, you know, the science of finance and economics and you know enough right now to say, well, I don't know enough about this. and I really want to learn more. MBA may be fantastic. If you think you want to get an MBA because it'll get you out of clinical medicine and more likely to get a, a non-clinical job, then I think it may be one of the worst ideas you can consider because it's going to take a couple of years out of your life. It's going to cost you a lot of money and it's arguably no more likely to get you one of those spots than if you didn't have.
1: Yes. It's
0: really thank
1: you for framing it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate you framing it that way because I think when it comes to leadership, there there is no secret. There is no secret. There is no one path. I think it's um I think there are strategies to build leadership skills. And in the end it's really about, as you said, kind of um getting clear on on what you love to do, what you want to learn more about and how to build your path that way. But there, there is no secret or one way to that.
0: Yeah, no. And I, I mean, when you're talking about getting into those roles aligned with your, your comment there, um, actual experience and results and reputation, I, I think, have more to do than a degree. You know, at one point mm-hmm. in time, I think a degree was a little bit of a differentiator because of the technical side that went along with it. But I I think the value proposition of physician leadership is not, again, extra letters after your name.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. So, maybe continuing with that thinking, um, as you think about physician leaders, there's probably a lot of assumptions about what it takes to be a physician leader or what it means to be a physician leader. Um, As you think about maybe some myths, about physician leadership, what's what's something you would want to debunk or unpack for people?
0: Yeah, I think I alluded to it a little bit with the, my previous, but, you know, that it's easier than being a right, physician, right. that there's a lot of implication of, you know, that, that leadership of a healthcare organization or time as a physician leader is easier than clinical practice because, you know, sadly, how difficult clinical practice is becoming for a lot of people. And um, I do not think that is the case at all. Thanks so much for listening, guys. If you enjoyed this, definitely check out part two of Sandy and Dr. Lallar's conversation. Hope you have a great rest of your day.